understand. Sometimes I have that effect. So am I starting this one off? Yes, sir. That's I think those are the kind of like the the unspoken rules we've established is edit is well we spoke about the edit edit is if you picked it and then lead off is if you picked it i don't think i'm gonna do any better than you would with mask of zorro i don't know because we kind of i think talked uh, at the end of the last episode and uh maybe privately we did a little bit more talking about uh an exchanging of imagery from crocodile dundee so i'm just gonna lean into it this one uh the, the theme is basically Catherine zeta jones announcing herself her arrival to american audiences are we already podcasting? I didn't know because I, I was expecting some sort of announcement that, hey, podcast started. <laughs> this is Marcus Played, for Thank those you. of you who don't know what you've clicked on. Uh, and the uh, the podcasts are wondering why we are stealing your content to use oh, as no. our own. <laughs> so much for that one. <laughs> It'll be fine. It'll be fine. I, I'm not going to lean into Catherine Seda-Jones. I mean, I, I am a full-blooded, red-blooded American male. Um, naturalized of course um but <laughs> we're we're out of our international month so you don't you don't have to keep up with that anymore uh, well i'm afraid i'm fearful you know I, I swear i'm a really american citizen i'm very fearful in today's <laughs> landscape no um i think this is one of the very few times that young ravishing catherine say the jones is uh is is um usurped she's passed over by Glorious Antonio Banderas. I knew I'm this was going to come up. Uh, uh, this is a step down, Antonio, for me. Uh, I would, from, from what was this, the the movie? But the snipers, assassins. Uh, I do like uh, how he is uh, basically a Joel Schumacher Batman villain. In that, he's definitely that that era of Batman villainy, completely over the top, uh, very watchable. No, Desperado, Robert Rodriguez, oh, yeah. Desperado, yeah, absolutely. They got the ponytail, the scorpion jacket, guitar case full of weapons. That that to and me Sama Hayek. also Sama Hayek. Not not bad as a as a what uh, an escort into announcing his arrival. I think because for me that is like Antonio Banderas, um, like being given leading man status, and this is a continuation. So I'm not just being uh, as you're accusing me, I guess, without saying it uh, a pervert here by saying this is all about Catherine Zeta Jones, but. I guess our actual premise of this and the what we went out searching for in uh, movie podcast land is a discussion centered around, uh, since this is kind of becoming a month based on reboots of fresh faces and new stars uh, being the sort of new coat of paint on very old traditional stories like Mask of Zorro. And I'll just out myself here. This is a first time watch for me because I was 15 when this came out and I was like, oh, Zorro, boring. Don't need to see that. Really? Yeah, I had this was no like kind interest. Of a big hit, action, it was. swashbuckling. You know, it didn't appeal to you. I, I, I can't say that I've ever been into swashbuckling movies. And what was Is I mean, Goonies a swashbuckling movie? There's uh, piracy there, sort of. See, I was going to go something like Princess Bride would be the closest, okay, but, yeah. uh, to being like uh, beloved and being a, a modern film. 
And then I guess after this, Pirates of the Caribbean brings it back. But I remember when that came out, there was some uh, reservations. Like, really? Disney's going to do their pirate theme park as a movie? Like, that'll probably be trash. I think that the, uh, the reservation was more that it's based on a ride than anything else, right? I mean, I don't know if if piracy or swashbuckling was the <laughs> there was, uh, that, uh, was the reservation. There was that Gina Davis one from the mid nineties. It was Cut a huge bomb. I've never seen that either because uh, you know I'm consistent. Uh, it's not just me being. <laughs> A, a, hey, pirates. A, a, well, I was about to say, uh, I'm not just being a, uh, as you call me, red state Kentucky, I guess, racist, where I'm picking on, <laughs> you know, the, uh, the, uh, Spaniards coming here with, with their hero and this, this battle between Mexico, Spain, and California. Something I'm just like, what is this nonsense? No. Well, I kept to be it- fair, I mean, for red Kentucky, they do have, uh, folks, you know, from Wales and other aspects of the, you know, playing Hispanic people. So it's kind of like you, you know, you showed up at the Benihanas and there's, uh, there's racist, there's people filling in for, for the phone. <laughs> I did see in the, uh, I guess, the, the minimal amount of research I did that there was a, a promise that, because uh, Sean Connery was initially cast. That's crazy. I read and, the same thing. Yeah. And there was a promise from the producers that they would actually put uh, some Latino faces on the screen. And, <laughs> but even Catherine Zeta Jones. She's from Wales. Right. <laughs> I mean, I think everyone, uh, no one is going to do like any sort of deep dive investigation when you have this woman on screen uh, in this, her star making performance. Well, I'd. you're obsessed with women's hands if they don't meet your <laughs> specifications either. Catherine Zeta Jones pretty much checks off every block for every man here. I mean, she's she's not only amazingly beautiful, but she's got uh, res- um, she's got resolve about her, right? And you know, she's been training sword fighting since she was young. She can side, you know, she has empathy. She, you know, she's, she's all about the action. So she's a little bit of everything for everybody. I, I don't think that, uh, there, Catherine Zeta Jones is this the, uh, the damsel in distress here, right? She is the object of desire and she's the object of the, of the push and pull between a lots of, a lots of factors here between parents, also between possible, uh, suitors for her. But she's a woman of action. You know, you see it through her fight, even though we, that fight turns into, her being disrobed by the great that Antonio was a trailer Banderas. moment. I, I distinctly remember that scene. I think being how they ended many a uh, a teaser trailer back in summer of '98. Which you know you got to put the butts in the seats. Uh, I'm glad for one Sean Connery uh, turned this down. Did not make it because it would uh, I think it would get increasingly creepy if he was in Entrapment the following year with Catherine Zeta Jones. Ah, I forgot about that. A yep. pseudo love interest kind of sort of thing. Um, all right, so I'm going to admit defeat. This feels like it should have been your pick because it's... You didn't like it? No, no. I'm, I'm saying, you know, skipping the atrocious, uh, you know, uh, side quest we did into the one Australian film that was <laughs> that was ever made. <laughs> and, you know, we'll give a, we'll give a shout out since they, uh, they uh, listened to the episode, Spoiler Piece Theater, uh, correcting us that there's actually two. Two films that came out of Australia, if you include Mad Max, I guess that, that entire universe. Uh, we can count that as well. But, I thought that was New Zealand. I apologize, uh, folks for, yeah, from see, Australia. See, you're just, yeah, don't, 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 do, they, they don't like that. I, I don't know if Kentucky has the same thing. I don't know if Tennessee or something like that would be like our little, uh, oh, West Virginia, I think is the right answer there. Oh, yeah. Good pick. Yeah. I shouldn't, have, why did I bring Tennessee in this? It's obviously West Virginia. Um, but this this seems like something you would have done of late. Like, uh, Mike, for whatever reason, you had reservations about this. 
you should check this out. And also, it's a uh, return to uh, Marcus Played for Mr. Martin Campbell, who just I does, have that as a note. I have that as a note. He's quickly becoming a Marcus Played favorite. We missed really run through his thing. Solid work, doesn't he? Like, I mean, it, I think when we talked about The Foreigner last month, uh, I didn't say that that film was paint by numbers, but he definitely, like, seems to be a guy that puts on the hard hat it just accepts like the material that's thrown to him. I'm not saying that he's an easy lay as far as his directing jobs, but just he adapts to what the material is as opposed to it. Like, uh, I'm sure you read that Robert Rodriguez was attached to this. And I yes. feel like that would, that would have been a cousin to Desperado. Like in my mind, I don't think yeah, I've seen a Robert yeah. Rodriguez movie, even if he's dealing with like, uh, alien teachers and the faculty, uh, the, this this gunslinger and El, Mari- El Mariachi and Desperado. Uh, Have you seen all- that one, the original? I saw it when I was younger uh, as yeah. a, sort of an oddity after Desperado, so I'm not watching them in order, but I thought it was cool. I mean, I think if, yeah, you, if yeah. you're a fan of films, knowing how cheaply it was assembled the for like seven grand or something, it's very impressive. It's not like as impressive the uh, as, Clerks uh, of Action movies or whatever it is. Yeah, not as many or any dick jokes, I guess, <laughs> I don't think. However... Robert Rodriguez is no Martin Campbell. I, I'm becoming increasingly impressed with this guy to sort of disappear. He's like a character actor, except he's a director. He just, whatever the material needs, he'll give it to you, and he doesn't try to force his stamp onto it. Oh, I'm going to disagree with you there on uh, on Robert Rodriguez, because he's, I mean, doesn't he, didn't he do like a Kid and a Shark, or Shark Boy, <laughs> Lava and Shark Boy? I don't know what try, what point you're trying to make to win the argument, but I feel what like I'm you've lost already. What I'm saying is he already. also has a variety, right? I mean, he, he Robert Rodriguez has has a, uh, I mean, Dust Till Dawn, you got that. You, you got lots of stuff from him. I, I think <laughs> I think if you put any of those on, it would take me two seconds to guess who the director was, sight unseen. Because he, he also is very Tarantino in that he likes to use uh, the same actors, if he can. He has this sort of uh, band that he likes to, to play with, and he has a certain Sin style. Sin City? Uh, Sin City and Mariachi right next to each other. Next to Spy Kids too. <laughs> I'm not going to go into Spy Kids, because I've not... I don't know if I've seen those, but uh, I, I wouldn't bet against it being that far removed from his segment in four rooms where you have two obnoxious kids like causing mayhem and chaos to their parents. Uh, one of them played by Antonio Banderas. The adventures of shark boy and lava girl. That's what I was looking you for. You wanted to get that correct. You really, <laughs> I just, I, I had to, I had to, but he's all over the place. And I think he, he has a, he's, he's Martin Campbell. is obviously more successful. I think Martin Campbell goes after more of the testosterone than Robert Rodriguez does. But I think that they both bring a lot of variety because Martin Campbell's doing movies that one would, one would and I don't, but I, you know, one would attribute to a very action-y, uh, male-driven, they're male-driven films, you know, GoldenEye, Mask of Zorro, Legend of Zorro, Casino Royale, Green Lantern. Uh, these things are, you know, there's a male at the center doing action-y sort of shit. And uh, I think Martin Campbell is is really going after that. Whereas Robert Rodriguez has far more variety. He's going after the kids. He's going after the the ladies. Right. He's going the only one of those that Robert Rodriguez has the capabilities to tackle is probably Green Lantern. That fits with uh, Shark Boy, Lava Girl. Definitely, I could see those two being the same I filmography. I completely disagree. I completely disagree. You have no respect. Oh, it's because he's brown, isn't he? 
You just well, just take Martin, it all Martin over. Campbell's uh, also an international filmmaker, so you can't. You know, this is I'm I'm not going with a uh, purely <laughs> white bread American here. You can't use that against me with Martin Campbell. I'm safe. I am Fair safe enough. from this argument Fair from enough. Twitter. But um, I don't even know. How, I mean, this probably is, is as quick as as a podcast recording has derailed for us. Um, that is totally on you. I was doing my bit, and you start talking about Shark Boy and Lava Girl. And I was defending the man. <laughs> you, you you were slandering the man this with fallacies. This is the most that that film has been discussed on a movie podcast ever, <laughs> and it's nowhere near the subject matter at hand. Moving none, on to Catherine Zeta-Jones and or Antonio Banderas, if that's the way you want to lean as far as fresh faces and old stories. How about this? Why don't I lean into the kid thing? And oh, uh, why don't I introduce my <laughs> podcast here? So you're talking about fresh, fresh, uh, fresh faces in old stories. So I, I naturally went to a reboot, and because I know you uh, reasonably well, and I know your love of children, hmm. I went to the what, what year was this? 2017 It reboot. Okay, where they introduced the fresh face cast. They kind of rebooted it, marked it up a little bit to the 80s. But you have all these young kids. Brand new actors. I think one of them might have been in that Netflix show or whatever. But I reached out to the Halloweeners, a horror movie podcast, uh, and they were talking about it. Thank you. I have trouble with the kids' names. Okay, I got you. Thank you. Because they don't really have a moment of like, this is blah, blah, this is blah, blah, which I don't hate. I I think the, the ensemble writing and the character voices are strong enough that it stands out on its own, not to mention the performances are really good. Oh, my God. They're all good. So good. That's what part of makes it fun. Is that mm-hmm. is this group of how many boys? Six or seven? And then six boys and plus Bev. Plus Bev, and they're all their own archetype. They're so well written for like middle school, early high school boys. Mm-hmm. You know how like there's one who's overly vulgar and mm-hmm. overly sexual, and there's one who's still kind of a mama's boy, and there's mm-hmm. one who turns everything to a joke, and mm-hmm. you know that's just kind of what boys are like at that age, where they are. Halfway between adulthood and childhood, mm-hmm. and not really with a foot firmly in either camp. And the mm-hmm. movie's really strong in that sense. Yeah. Plus, again, the ensemble acting is so good, and I think it's a really good screenplay. I think the adaptation, not having read the book, mm-hmm. but still, from what I know about it, it streamlines it, and it makes the voices specific enough and strong enough that you don't need to know their names necessarily gotcha yeah what uh, they were obviously giving a lot of praise to the cast but they're also giving a lot of praise to the um to the the like acting the cast but the script that is written for them whereas you have this ensemble of kids um i think it's like five five boys and a, and a and a girl and they don't do the introduction thing the traditional introduction thing where you like verbally describe or you you spend time they're individuality comes from the course of the movie, right? We, we save a lot more time for and the movies already long as it is, right? But we save time for the meat and potatoes, but you don't get on any of this description stuff. Their identities, you know, flesh out from the script and flesh out from their performances. And, and I think that that is a rarity, especially for kid actors like you love. <laughs> that, that's the point. One left me on why well, I'm certainly not, uh, growing in my affection for uh, children on the silver screen with all this talk about Lava Girl. Although now I'm fearing that this is going to be like a hate watch uh, troll job, much like Crocodile Dundee. Uh, you'll bring it up later in another upcoming episode. I, I think that's a good point um, because I was, I'm trying to remember if early on they identified any of the kids as like, this is kind of like your role within 
the group. Uh, but it felt more, at least the way they handled it, more like maybe you would in uh, real life. How you just kind of fall right. into friendships. Uh, now that's certainly in that story, it's very heightened. Uh, the reason as far as why they, they all, you know, eventually band together. Uh, but yeah, other than the, um, I guess the, uh, you know, the, the outsider kind of chubby kid who's bookish. Uh, and I do remember that one detail about him, uh, sharing an affection with the, uh, the, the lady that he has a crush on for new kids on the block that <laughs> there weren't the a hideous lot. scene. <laughs> you hated that one. That one, that one actually kind of sticks out compared to what I you're talking bad about for the kid. You bad for him. Why? Yeah, man. I mean, he's trying, I mean, he's swinging, right? Because he's, <laughs> he's reciting the names of the songs and, and these things. And I, I, it's cringeworthy, but not from the, from a movie standpoint, but from a human standpoint, like, oh, man, like if I was his friend, I'm just sitting there, you know, hand slapping the forehead watching him because he's got a little bit of an engagement going and that's what he's breaking out. That's what his, those are his, his hits, his lines. I don't know. I, f- I feel like sh- she allows it, right? <laughs> she lets him. She, she when, when that's revealed, uh, she's a kind enough person to uh, to not. Maybe, now, maybe the rest of the guys would have been like you monsters uh who says don't don't show your true self because people will hate you for it but i'm gonna do a little bit of that myself here hyrule because i found a podcast that's just for me (laughs) (laughs) is it it the uh the white guy hits is that what it is i actually don't know the uh the ethnicity of the hosts here Uh, i don't know uh you know their nationality although i do believe they are uh american uh based on the accents I um I I found one called Matinee Heroes, and I thought, well, this is perfect for the Mask of Zorro because it appears that uh they do you know action movies for the most part, like uh, the episode that uh, also followed it. You have Dick Tracy, Braveheart, Tombstone. So I'm like, okay, so you've got some uh you you've got some Martin Campbell like joints. Like if Martin Campbell hosted a podcast, <laughs> I imagine these were the films that he would want to show, not just the ones that he's very testosterone driven, of course. They do have E. T on the list. I downloaded that as well. Cause I was like, okay, that's an oddball. That's uh, that, that's one. I wonder how they would fit in quickly followed up by the born identity and days of thunder. So back to the, back clean to the bread and butter. Yeah. Cleaning it up. Yep. But on a uh, mask of sorrow, they were talking about how, uh, kind of playing into your, your it things that, uh, Catherine Zaya Jones, uh, probably like that this film, and they, they actually mentioned Robert Rodriguez in their discussion, how that might have been leaned more desperate a little bit, uh, maybe more R or harder PG-13 as far as the violence. And it actually would have been more uh, testosterone-based in that regard as far as the set pieces and the action scenes and how Martin Campbell leans into a more classic uh, sort of family film, like action adventure. Like he leans back into Zorro. So they were smart enough to go, no, no, this has to be – family oriented even though there's enough in there to make it pg-13 yeah but this is a kind of movie that you can show to kids and you can oh, yeah it is a great movie to kind of go well this is this, we're going to learn some values about loyalty <laughs> and about community and how you stand up for the little guy and then you know but there's also some stuff there's you know half naked Catherine zeta jones at times 
How many puberties did she kickstart, you think, in this movie? I have no idea. Probably several. <laughs> I mean, unfor- I, mine had already passed me, so I was ready. To, I was I was in full gear, so I didn't have to. It was just I have to imagine a- there's a whole generation of kids who were like between, you know, uh, 11 and 14. who just suddenly their voices were deeper the morning after watching this. Yeah. yeah. And then they find out, especially, I bet there's a, a whole Latino community that's super excited about it. And then they find out, oh, she's Welsh. Wait a minute. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just like, oh, wait a minute. I thought she. It's like when you find out that, you know, Andrew Lincoln from The Walking Dead is actually a British guy. <laughs> it's like, I thought he was some southern sheriff, but nope. He's he's kind of a dandy. Yeah. <laughs> the whole community aspect is filtered throughout because the priest helps out. You're not too many friars. Is that a friar? He's in the robes. So he's Franciscan. Sorry. He's, he's a Franciscan yes. monk. I don't have my sect religions memorized. But he has no problem punching people when he needs to. And then right. then we find out later down the road that he's been helping Zorro all along. What the movie does a nice job of, I think, is, is like I said, it plays to sort of collective cultural memories of what Zorro is, quote-unquote, supposed to look like. But it also acknowledges, you know, textually that, well, Zorro has not really, at the time of, his, of the film's release, Zorro had not been really a, a major factor culturally for a while and i thought that was interesting because you could quickly like turn against it right like it, it feels like when anthony hopkins has the the mask on and the cape like i wondered even when i was watching the opening sequence was this gonna be the last tip of the cap and then they're gonna like modernize it when they bring in the new zorro but no they actually like he sticks with it like it's not like antonio banderas comes in and says no now i'm gonna have guns <laughs> You know, like he, he does he kind of adopts to the traditions of the character. However, going back to what I like and the way I started the show, they also kind of admired that if you were coming of age, like that little boy in it, that Catherine Zay Jones would easily have been the first stirrings of manhood. <laughs> if if this was what you saw on the screen. And don't shake your head because you programmed Crocodile Dundee and spent a good 20 minutes of the film discussion on something very much like that. Cheeks. Which Martin Campbell, you know, is a gentleman. There's nothing here. Everything is covered. It's just a he little He covered too. it with hair. You know what I mean? She's disrobed, but he just Glorious throws some hair. hair to cover it. Glorious. <sighs> you have a problem with this. You have, it, it feels like uh, this has no, like that has a place in something like Crocodile Dundee as far I, as no, that just, sort of comedy. I think that... Uh, I. I the sexuality of of uh, what's her name, Captain Sata Jones, I guess. What's her name? Jesus, <laughs> <laughs> it's such a. It's there, right? I mean, they obviously play with it a little bit, you know, um, with the disrobing sequence and and her beauty and that sort of thing. But they give her such agency that I I don't know. It just it's almost kind of falls by the wayside. You know, there's no the 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 sequence with the hair covering her naked body. <laughs> Doesn't stand a candles to the cheeks, <laughs> <laughs> but really, as far it, as the gaze, as far as the gaze does, I, I think that's what I and I'm gonna you know speak for the uh, matinee heroes here. Sort of liked about it that there's that uh, there, there's certainly something that keeps it uh, classy while still like even the playfulness of the way Antonio Banderas plays it and Campbell directs it. Uh, the, the fact that it is a sword fight that at times she's winning. But this version of Zoro is winning just by being in her presence. 
Like he seems just happy to be there. Doesn't doesn't care. I mean, he's stealing kisses, isn't he? Like in between uh, swings of the sword and all that stuff. He's just like he's obviously invading her space, and you know the Me Too movement would obviously uh, <laughs> chastise for him for this, you know. But he's Antonio Banderas. I mean, isn't that what uh, in Europe we have different rules in Europe? The Europeans, the Spaniards do, of course, right? I hope so. Think so. I don't know. <laughs> so you, you hope you can grope and steal kisses. Is that what you're saying? Disrobe, well, ladies. I uh, I certainly want, um, you know, I want my my matinee heroes here to be able to do things that I can't, whether it's you know jump over or out of buildings and sword fight and all of that. You you uh, you know you want him to have that uh, that charm, which I also like that uh, it's not just natural to him either. Like there's an uh, an entire sort of training, you know, the 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 Dagobah type stuff with Anthony Hopkins, where it's like you're gonna have to learn charm, and I. Don't think it comes out of nowhere because probably for about the first thirty minutes of Banderas' screen time, when he's, I guess, just a, a ruffian of the road with his brother, I was wondering, hey, where's the where's the smooth guy? Because even going back to Desperado, right? He's smooth as soon as he walks in the door. Like, I mean, he has his troubles; he gets cut up and shot at and all that, but he's always smooth, and I, I liked it. I like seeing the rough edges here. So that's uh, that's what I like seeing about Banderas as opposed to Catherine Zay Jones being totally new to me here is that uh he wasn't just playing uh what he could have been typecast as uh in the mid 90s easily well let's not get it twisted though because after that first half hour we get a heavy dose of uh the antonio banderas that we all know and love very suave i mean there's a sequence towards the back end where he he rips off his mask right to to let uh the michael deniston look like cuckold guy um that this is the man that's I do not gonna have kill you. Blonde hair, by the way. I don't know where this is. <laughs> As it's just like from. you, man. For some reason, it's just I don't know. Maybe it's the cuckold thing. But uh, anyways, Wait, so he rips the cuckold off- here. <laughs> he what? is. How's he a cuckold? I don't understand. I mean, he's obviously. I think they play him a little bit, Captain Love, as a little bit of a as a romantic interest for her. It's almost like he's the next guy in line. You see, <laughs> you, in the you've sequence- really stretched the definition of cuckold. I've caught you a couple times, like when I'm like, wait a minute, now what? Uh, so that's like calling on. the kid now, from let me it. Explain this. The chubby boy from it is now cuckold because he doesn't get the crush that he wants. No, he doesn't get it because nobody takes it from him. Nobody's doing it right in front of him. <laughs> you know, he doesn't have to stand and watch like Captain Love has to stand and watch when when Captain Love. Old, that's his name. It's literally Captain Love. Look at IMDb while while I'm while I'm learning you something here. I, I just wondered should I drop the should I drop this a half star on Letterboxd or give it an extra half star for the nemesis being Captain Love. I don't I don't know where I fall on that. <laughs> Isn't that his name? <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm not disputing you. I'm just the fact that of the movies uh, we've selected, uh, we are we we have found ourselves uh, talking about whether or not Captain Love is a cuckold or not. Yeah, Captain Harrison Love. Well, okay, at least Harrison Love. Somehow that makes it better. But he than is Captain he is, Love. He's not just cuckolded. He's cuckolded in front of an audience. He's not when, cuckolded. He's he he never got her right. He's never ultra suave. He's just rejected. Antonio Banderas. Can't we just say he's a loser in this? Like he he's just the guy that doesn't get the girl. You're really defending this guy's <laughs> this guy's honor here. Um, I mean, he's the only he's only the guy who's going to blow up an entire cave <laughs> to smash tons of people. He's always <laughs> just killing cats evidence. right now. Yeah, just, like we get rid of all of it. Doesn't matter. If there's twenty thousand people in there. We're just going to blow it all up. How good is Antonio Banderas in the dancing while while Captain Love has to sit there and watch? As as his lady is like swept away from him in the in a in the tsunami that is Banderas's it's, it's so funny hip that, flexor that you focused on Captain Love because he was <laughs> he was never in my thoughts at all like 
I'll tell you where my headspace was in that, that sequence was the, uh, the adopted, adoptive father here. Cause I, that's who I was trying to get read on. I'm like, wait, is he cool with this or not? Because they, there's this weird complex this guy has to have where he clearly was in love. Are you going to call him a cuckold too? Because he was in love with uh, Anthony Hopkins. Uh, Absolutely. Wife. <laughs> All right, we're just, you know, uh, continuing to chase those strange hashtags. I'm just setting up our our, our glorious, you know, maybe that'll be like our hundredth episode is is the cuckold episode where we really dive into it. Who is the actor again? Epic. Who is the 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 ultimate Hollywood's cuckold? I forget the guy from Chappaquiddick, uh, the, the John Connor the third. <laughs> so my focus was this guy was in love with the original Zorro's woman. Um, he gets her killed. Uh, not by his own hand, but by his command, by bringing his uh, goon squad in, and then she... I do like that he immediately kills the guy who killed her. That was pretty he badass. Just immediately, mm-hmm. that's a good move. Uh, doesn't really apologize for it, but you know he's clearly angry at the. Uh, I, I tell you what, the common folk, the guys that are just clocking in to do the bidding here of these people, get treated like shit. They're gonna get blown up just because because <laughs> they work there. Uh, Captain Love doesn't think that they can tell a lie. <laughs> he thinks they're going to talk, so just kill every one of them. Um, I thought that the dude that stole Anthony Hopkins' daughter, Catherine Zay Jones, I was I kept waiting for him to have... I guess this is where the family film aspect comes in. I'm like, does he have some weird hang-up with her? Since people kept saying, like, oh, you're the spitting image of your mother. You look just like your mom. And she never knew her mother, and you know the, the web of lies, all of that. Uh, so it's weird to me that you, I think you're defending Captain Love more than I am, because I was not concerned about his feelings in the slightest. I thought he was just a joke, and I was concerned more about the, the guy in charge, because I was like, what what sort of weird motivation does he have? Does he want his daughter to be swept away by this mysterious Spaniard, or is he going to become even more suspicious? And he never really does. Like they, they Well, kind of- he, he kind of approaches it at the very end of the dance. He comes up in a very kind of angry way. He's, uh, I mean pretty good acting but to be don rafael montero by Stuart wilson from <laughs> surrey in england <laughs> um pretty good acting by that fine obviously authentic gentleman but he he approaches in a an aggressive manner let's say right he, he comes up at him i mean he, he i thought that was just more of like a hey don't get too handsy with my daughter on prom night type thing and it you know Captain Love is the one that I uh, felt like would be more angry about what he was he was losing, right? If if he's like a suitor, a male suitor, but this guy, I, I couldn't I could never gather if it was just purely paternal, even though this is not his daughter, or or if there was some weird uh, perverse uh, hangups he well, had I with mean, this woman. He's had the daughter for at least twenty twenty five years or something like that. I mean, I, I, I mean, hopefully he's developed some feelings over a twenty year child rearing. <laughs> you know, Captain Love admits defeat. And immediately, he just goes <laughs> slings into this cuckold shell because the great, sexy Antonio Banderas <laughs> has taken charge of uh, of pedestrian Catherine Zeta Jones in this dance off. Pedestrian. I just want to throw that out there. I, I don't think she's pedestrian. I just want to like, just I'm attacking you really at yeah, this you, point. You, did, you kind of lost my attention there for a minute, and then you threw that jab in, and I was back in it. Uh, on that note, Antonio Banderas, pretty short. He's a short dude. Is he? Him training with Anthony Hopkins, who I never thought to be a man of stature, uh, that, that's actually something we've not discussed. I, I like Anthony Hopkins and his performance here. 
when I hear Sean Connery was originally going to play the part, I'm like, that's the, bad. The physical part probably would have been a little bit more believable. When you have Anthony Hopkins, and it's like other characters have to do the heavy lifting, like his uh, unfortunate wife who's going to meet her untimely end uh, pretty quickly was like, um, your daughter has your strength already. And I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm like sizing up Anthony Hopkins. I'm like, is he, is he, is he known as like, you know, Andre the Giant around here? Like he just can just lift anything. And there's also a sequence well, maybe where he she, just, maybe there's like an, uh, like a fortitude is what she's referring to. Not so much a physical strength. Like it's the, not everything is a bench press competition there, Mike. I mean, you're talking about like his ability to like, you know, his, his gut as far as what he's able to put in his body. Yeah, and he's, she's, she's, <laughs> what? Do you know what the definition of fortitude is? I mean, maybe she's got some resolve about her. She's I mean, feisty. I, I'm just saying, how does this apply to what I'm looking at with Anthony Hopkins? Like, <laughs> you were just—I you know, mean, he does look a little bit like a Ninja Turtle, like an old leathery spray tan Ninja Turtle. You know, maybe he's about to be president or something. I don't know, but his spray tan is pretty legit for Mr. Anthony Hopkins. So this is clearly a movie that, uh, well, I don't know if it could not be made uh, today, but you've already kind of alluded to the fact that, uh, and it's something that they seem to be somewhat aware of that uh yeah there's a lot of uh white faces uh playing uh, this is not that far off from like the old uh eastwood westerns or something where someone was uh playing uh a mexican who was like maybe a jewish guy from new york yeah so, i mean that, that that it does happen but i i mean that aside i thought that they and all jokes aside i thought they sunk into the characters pretty well right i mean even Anthony Hopkins, who is this, you know, larger than life, you know, Welsh actor, I believe. Yeah, he's from he's from Wales. I have to keep looking at my my notes here. Sinks into the role re- relatively well as this mentor to the glorious Antonio Banderas. I think all things being be, being what they are, as far as the kind of racial stuff, whatever. I think they do a pretty good job. Even Don Montero, who is from England, he does a good job. Do you have any issues with this being like, like for me, it's, I think it's the only Zorro movie I've seen. Like I'm aware of the, the character, but, uh, and I, I get, suppose he's kind of iconic in the way, like even going to, uh, Batman, you know, that, that he's tied into that origin story as far as that's supposedly like the movie that, you know, in the, uh, the older comics Batman was seeing, uh, when his, his, his family was killed in front of him. Uh, but, I would think that if you are a Zorro fan, and I, like I said, I'm speaking totally out of turn, having no experience with them, that uh, if you like the older movies and your kids sit down to watch this, I would think that this would be like a pretty good, like, yeah, this is the character. You have a pretty good grasp of, of who this dude is, and if you like his style of fighting, there's nothing uh, as disrespectful as uh, Zack Snyder's Man of Steel, which uh, I know... Oh! Uh, <laughs> oh! See? <laughs> What's wrong with you? Um, look, we're over here celebrating the Snyder Cut online on Twitter and on Facebook. I'm trying to and get us away from the uh, the you porn hashtags that you keep trying to set us up with. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Hopefully, it's working on the downloads. Mm-hmm. No, you know, it, I I I understand what you're saying as far as no familiarity because I didn't. I've always I've kind of grown up with Zorro, but I, this is obviously I think might might be the first movie I've ever watched of Zorro. Didn't, I, I have this like young recollection of watching him in black and white as a kid, but I couldn't pinpoint where or where I got that, you know, where I saw it. But I, I'll just come on and say it. I, I loved the movie. I thought it was great. And, and it's been many, many years since I've seen it. This is the cinematic universe that I want, 
right? This is the I wish this would have expanded all the way out. Did you ever see the sequel that came out? Like I've heard it. It's trash. I've heard it was bad. Well, it came out like seven or eight years after the fact. I didn't even know there was a sequel until I was just reading this. I'm like, oh, they actually did that, and that seems to be like too far out to to yeah. go back to Zorro. Uh, but it, it's different from. So, like last week, we talked Terminator Dark Fate, which is a little bit more knowing about what they've done uh, in previous entries, what has not worked. Uh, and there's that, I said it was sort of reeked of desperation, even though I was, uh, I found the film mostly enjoyable. It's like they're really trying to, like, okay, that didn't go, let's do this instead. And this film just, maybe it just predates that sort of cinematic universe that you're talking about. It's just like, if we're going to make a Zorro movie, he's going to be Zorro. We'll have Antonio Banderas. He's a movie star right now. We'll get Anthony Hopkins. Everyone knows his face, you know, especially in the nineties, like, you know, coming, I think this is, uh, this sits firmly in between Sansa Lambs and then Hannibal. I don't, <laughs> I don't know if like the return to that character, uh, sort of knocked Anthony Hopkins, Anthony Hopkins down a peg. Um, but I, I feel like in this one, uh, that's like a worthy, uh, kind of like Liam Neeson did with his mentor roles, Qui-Gon Jinn and going back to Batman. Like, it's like, oh, you're going to cast a respectful older actor with some charisma, Anthony Hopkins. What I'm saying here is they played it, I think, very safe, but it just feels far more confident than reboots we get now. Like, you know, that maybe they were just going for a solid double here, but I think they absolutely how so, how connected so? how, I mean, how, like, explain that a little bit. How, how do you feel that it's more confident? Um, so, okay, like, we'll throw another Martin Campbell one in here, Casino Royale, right? Which is, which is the launch of the, what is now the modern, uh, James Bond until uh, whenever this next one comes out, that's presumably the last Daniel Craig entry. Uh, I think there's a big difference between it and Skyfall, which was a, which was a much bigger hit. But after, was there one entry in between there? Quantum of Solace? Quantum of Solace, yeah. So after that, I, I felt like Skyfall veers more into like Terminator Dark Fate territory where they're like, we got to shake things up. Like we have to, like, you know, we're starting to lose their attention. And Casino Royale, I think in Mask of Zorro or more in the vein of like, you know who Zorro is, you know who James Bond is. We're going to like build a cool little adventure around them. And that's all we need. We, we know you like James Bond. We know you like Zorro or the idea of Zorro. We, we don't have to like totally crack so everything around the edges. The, the story is relatively straightforward. There's no bonker stuff about retirement and, and, you know, going to the farmhouse and all that stuff. You're saying this is the character. He is great with swords. He's great with the ladies. He's great with riding horses. And we're just going to give you what you want, man. He's going to defend the, the the freedom of the people who are going to be blown up by the cuckold. And yeah, I don't know if that was gonna, in the pitch, but yes, everything. But I that, think it was. I think it was. But it was I refreshing to me. It, I, yeah. I was shocked at how much I just wanted uh, something to sort of accept the character for who he was. That's why I threw that uh, cheap shot to you with with Man of Steel because I think it falls in that Skyfall territory of we have to examine I disagree. it from. Really. Yeah, I thought it was it was a light modernization and making him a little more serious. A killer, a cold blooded killer. Oh, stop! <laughs> he rescued some people. He's about to like shoot them to death. I mean, what are you going to do? You act like he was out there like some assassin or something. Yeah, we save that for like the later entries and to uh, <laughs> release the Snyder cut. I can't Hashtag. wait. I can't wait. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what we need to be doing. I. I, I, you know what? Would you be have have been interested? I mean, I, you haven't said. Did you like the movie or not like the movie? I actually really liked it. Really Me too. liked it. 
Okay, would you accept this as a serialized? Like, because Zoro feels a lot like the Lone Ranger. There's something like he's a sort of uh, what's the guy Jack Reacher style goes town to town, like kung fu maybe going town to town doing mm-hmm. good deeds. Incredible Hulk. This very seventies sort of style of going town to town and, and helping somebody. Right? Would you be interested in a Zoro version of that? You know, if I I think I would have liked this as a teenager. If I if you could have. You know, if someone uh, like you, I guess, would have dragged me to see it, and I would have been like, "Oh, this this actually was good." Uh, you know, what was wrong with me? Uh, I would have been pretty hyped for uh, you know a normal sequel. I guess maybe in modern times now, where if you like something, they already have plans for something two or three years down yeah. the road. Um, but man, on that note, the fact that this the sequel that I didn't even know about came out seven or eight years later, they really they ran away from the serial nature of the character, where it's like. Just, just have another adventure for me. Like, yeah. you know, this is, uh, it's not, obviously, it's not in classic territory like the, uh, the first three Indiana Jones. Like, I don't think, kind of what we're saying here, there's nothing about what happens in the events of this film that's going to be, I'm going to tell someone, like, you got to see this movie because here's the story. I don't, I don't think there's, like, me just reading it off, I don't think would show anyone, like, why are you that, enthused by this movie it sounds very generic uh there's something about the the the, the actors you know that having yeah. Darius and Catherine Zay jones anthony hopkins like seeing that combination of those three no uh, dis- disrespecting captain love again just forgetting he's there captain love apparently on this podcast <laughs> was very important <laughs> to the proceedings uh that just yeah i I've, i feel like uh if they had done that um, yeah, we've seen it before. So like when I mentioned my podcast, uh, it now has me in this conversation wanting to check out their born identity thing, because I remember when that one came out in 2002, I felt like it looked like kind of a generic James Bond spy type thing. And that was something that really caught on later on DVD. Like when I watched that in summer of 2002, I never thought like, Oh, this is, this is going to be a massive series starring Matt Damon. I thought it was kind of a throwaway action movie that I really enjoyed. Uh, so yeah, I think they maybe, you know, they just missed their window and that's unfortunate because it would have been cool to see a whole series of this from Banderas and Catherine Zeta-Jones. Although the, the ending with the kid, I don't know about. Eh, I mean, you know, I think, uh, you probably retcon that a little bit, you know, if, if it's in, if it's in serialized format a little bit. I mean, I think something like, um, you ever watch Smallville or Arrow or these DC kind of TV shows that they have. I'm just really trying to lean into that release the Snyder Cut fandom that we have for this. I'm doing my best, but I could see something like that. It works. It's very... It's it, you. They go on the new adventures, and they're still like running through line. I think it's a doable thing. I just... I don't think we... America would go for it, because there's a... You know, not a white person involved, but whatever. That was solely the reason for the, uh, the box office and critical failure of Shark Boy and Lava Girl. The racism of America. I agree. 100% agree. <laughs> so does Twitter. Uh, <laughs> Twitter doesn't even know about Lava Girl, but they're going to come to her defense. <laughs> you know what? I may remix it and, and, and bring that on as the next show, God. as the next podcast, <laughs> and make you really suffer. <laughs> what, what have you got for the next show? What are you thinking? Topic and okay, movie. Okay, so I, I, you know, I, I think I'm ready to close out the, the reboot thing that we've been doing, and I, I want to get a little more topical. <laughs> we uh, did two episodes on it. Too. It's good <laughs> enough. <laughs> Enough foreigners too. <laughs> we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna make America what, great what is, here. What with is this the, the widest movie you can present then? What, if we're switching course, oh, so you know, I'm get, like I was saying, I was gonna get a little more topical and obviously stay white for you, but um, we're gonna go with 
Can't Buy Me Love. We're going to celebrate the 2020 graduates that don't get to have their graduation. So I'm just going to lay out the iconic American high school uh, high school movie, the the epitome of high school films. Can't Buy Me Love. And the topic will be, you know, high school films. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> high school films. Okay. That's it. I mean, there's. A, I think there's a lot of room there because I think that uh, the high school experience is something that in America varies wildly, but I think in our movies don't. Like, if you look at our movies at the high school experience, you know, it's very sort of cookie cutterish, yada yada. But in America, our high school experiences vary very wildly. All right, I'm looking at the poster of this. Have you ever seen this movie? No this this looks. Very much like sober cinema materials, what this looks like. <laughs> <laughs> Ask Derek Stewart about it. Ask Derek. Give uh, you an earful about the greatness oh, yeah. of I, I think I remember you tried to get me to do this for True Bromance, and I refused. And uh, I think I was probably looking at the same image I'm looking at now. Like, that does not look like anything I'm interested in. Uh, a nerd in a Tucson, Arizona high school paying a cheerleader to pretend to be his girlfriend for a month. There will probably be more discussion of cuckolding in this. There will be. <laughs> <laughs> like I find it. I, I, that's my mission in life is to work cuckolding into every single podcast. Well, this sounds fun. Um, what did this get? 48%. 48% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's the quintessential high school movie. Entertainment Weekly agrees with you. 2006, they ranked it number 41 out of 50 of the best high school movies of all time. Is Entertainment Weekly still have a publication? Are they still around? Who are they? Not in a weekly format. I don't know in what format. They have a website. Do you know who is? Marcus Played. <laughs> Until uh, fellow podcasters shut us down for copyright infringement. <laughs> <laughs> Nobleman is nothing but a man who says one thing and thinks another. What if Montero realizes who you are? Montero thinks of himself as a true nobleman. He will never look a servant in the eye. <laughs>